Welcome to Remotely Possible, a podcast about the people shaping the future of work. My name's Adam Riggs, and I'm the CEO of Framable, a software company that's improving distributed work for Microsoft Teams and Outlook users. We're always looking for leaders, technology innovators, and software partners who might be a good fit as a guest on the podcast. If you have a story to share about creating and maintaining a highly collaborative environment for either hybrid or fully remote teams, We'll share details at the end of each episode of this podcast so you'll know how to get in touch with us. And now, let's dive into our conversation about how real people are making the future of work more successful. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Remotely Possible podcast, the podcast that brings you conversations with people leaning into distributed work so we can learn what's working for them and why. Today, my guest is Amy Magici. Amy's the founder of Magici Consulting, an HR consultancy based in the Portland, Oregon area, but just over the river on the Washington side. She focuses on mid-sized businesses between 50 and 250 people, and specifically on employee engagement and HR strategy. Amy, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Adam. Great to have you today. Let's start by having you share with our listeners uh, a little bit about your practice and about your expertise. Excellent. So I am an HR consultant, as you said, to mid-sized businesses, uh, primarily in Oregon and Washington and in a variety of industries, which keeps things uh, super interesting to me, uh, from agencies to uh, financial planning to publishers and, and on and on. And so I have had my practice for 13 years. This is my practice as a teenager this year, uh, which is exciting. And I primarily focus on uh, helping my clients move their um, HR um, expertise within their organization. So go from where they're at currently to uh, a better place. And so I do that by identifying an HR strategy and executing to that strategy primarily. So I um, also facilitate a manager training series three times a year, which is just really, really fun for me to work with uh, managers from my existing clients. And um, it's open to uh, all all sorts of mid-sized business leaders. And uh, it's a really fun cohort of people that we get to take through an eight-week series. Amazing. And and, uh, how often does that meet over the course of the eight weeks? Is that a full-time commitment or... So we meet, um, so over eight weeks, we meet eight times, and the first session is two hours, and it's it's virtual, so hosted okay. via Zoom, and each session after that is one hour. Um, but having it held via Zoom is really nice. I didn't used to do it that way. Uh, prior to uh, 2020, I did it in person, but having it hosted via Zoom means that people can call in and participate from anywhere in the country and that's been really fun and, and unique to bring different perspectives from different uh, parts of our country. Absolutely. Well, this is this is a, a meta point that we get to that we've gotten to so quickly here in this session um, as an HR professional and um, someone who speaks to a lot of different companies about how distributed work uh, is taking shape and what the opportunities are. How would you describe um, the overall sort of posture of your companies, uh, your clients um, toward distributed work and how are they thinking about distributed work uh, as they reflect on their HR challenges? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, not every one of my clients actually has the same uh, philosophy. So yeah. you know, I can't speak for everybody. Sure. Uh, but I would say largely embracing distributed work and, you know, some more than others. So, you know, having people, having employees in different states um, or even globally uh, adds a lot of HR complexity, which I think that employees and um, probably most um, most people that first glance at the question don't really think about, but there are a lot of employment laws in different states that are yeah. varying or competing. There are a lot of tax laws that are varying and competing. And so there's a lot to think about before just hiring somebody in Colorado or California. I mean, just really, um, it has to be a strategic decision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do Not you to provide pick on those two states? <laughs> that's okay. No, I mean um, that's our experience as well. You know that there's a there's a kind of a checklist that you have to go through when you're empl- uh, when you're hiring an employee in a in a new state for the first time. That there are filings you have to make. You have to register for certain kinds of insurance programs that are in most cases mandatory, et cetera. So I think that's what you're 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 getting at. That there's just the, there's it's a lot easier to hire the second person in the same state than to expand to a new state. And and yet, um, you know, in terms of competing for talent, uh, it seems not optional these days, right? I mean, there are very few companies that can afford to um, be rigid about where they look for their talent. Would you agree? I would say that's true. I I think that ideally, you know, an entrepreneur might think, okay, well, we'll hire in, in, in a state or a location. And then when they're competing for talent, they will kind of um, break their border and, and <laughs> yeah. expand beyond that. I'm in a unique situation where I work because I am right on the line between Oregon and Washington. So many, many clients are already doing this kind of two-state situation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, then it just kind of leads into or bleeds into you know further expansion. Mm-hmm. But it um, shouldn't be taken lightly, <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 agreed. Um, in terms of... The tools that your clients use. Um, can you talk a- at all about about the, the the suite of tools that clients are using successfully to uh, to support their distributed uh, teams? Like, have you heard any particularly exciting stories lately from clients about the way that they are using a certain tool or they've added a certain practice to to a certain tool in order to uh, make it feel more like people are together when they are not able to be together? That's a great question. So the my clients, many of them use Zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. Many of them use Teams. So mm-hmm. I am bouncing back and forth between both technologies. And a lot of them use Slack to mm-hmm. stay connected. And so I would say primarily those are the, the, the kinds of tools that they're using. We have employee engagement tools that uh, employees can, can go in and write um, like kudos and and high fives mm-hmm. to each other. So mm-hmm. there's there's that piece, which I think is a really nice thing because you might not have met somebody that you're working with and you right. can go in and publicly, you know, uh, give a, a kind of high five yep. and the whole company can see it. So yep. I think that those two are, tools are really nice. I will tell you and this is kind of this is my own struggle, um, and I think it's probably a struggle for everybody as we are um, advancing in our distributed work. 
and and maybe there's a solution out there. So I'll pose this this question. So I've been on the I've been facilitating in person, and um, surprise, we are going to have some people be remote. And so I have clients that have amazing technology for that, and it's hard. That's probably one of the hardest situations is facilitating a meeting in person and having people uh, calling in remotely and trying to keep that meeting on on pace uh and i've also been on the on the other end of that where i'm remote and others are in person and that's a challenge too and so yeah. I, I find that's a whole conversation mm -hmm. do you do you when you when you think about the challenges of what we'll call a you know a hybrid a hybrid meeting or a hybrid training session are you thinking mostly about the technical challenges are you thinking about the challenges of reading the room or establishing trust or which of these things seem like the the most urgent problem uh as you reflect all of those yeah. <laughs> the technical <laughs> challenge uh you've have you heard of the owl uh speaker yes okay so i've had clients prior to the pandemic actually that used that and that something along those lines would be better than just you know, a, a camera in a room where you can't mm. see everybody. Uh, but I think the pacing, I think sometimes um, it's it's that establishing trust. You can't mm -hmm. see everybody's face if you don't have some, some better technology. Mm -hmm. And then it's also, I tend to notice that that one group tends to dominate the conversation more than the other. So mm -hmm. I don't know why that is, but that's something that 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 it just for whatever reason, that's what I've noticed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, when you look forward with your clients, you know, say one or two years mm -hmm. into the future, what do you think is going to be different uh, about their work environment as opposed to the to one you're helping them navigate now? Um, yeah, that's when it comes question. to distributed work, when it comes to distributed work and 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 supporting talent that's not able to be physically together or where the company has decided, you know, we're not going to impose that requirement because we just we just want to be able to be more flexible. Yeah, well, so I think one of the thing that's things that's interesting right now is and my clients are at all various different stages, just like all businesses, really. Mm -hmm various stages of of in-person and, and remote, um, but there, we haven't clearly established behavioral norms. Like, so policies might exist, but the actual behavioral norms of how we show up in a hybrid environment it, it hasn't completely been established. So I think we're mm -hmm. going to have in, you know, a year to two years, that's going to be really much more well-defined of how, Adam, you show up to a hybrid meeting or how mm -hmm. I facilitate a hybrid meeting versus how, how we're doing those things, those activities right now. I also think technology is just going to, we're just going to have that much more dialed in and have better technology around, you know, meeting rooms and, uh, being able to facilitate uh, those types of things. But I don't want to just talk about meetings, just speaking of desk space mm -hmm. and office space. So, uh, you know, some of my clients are just, they're they're so far advanced and they have this all figured out and set up. So uh, others are coming along and establishing like hoteling desks. Yep. And uh, one of the things that's interesting with that um, is that, 
you know, we sent everybody home. Uh, we sent them home with their technology. And now we want them to come back to the office a couple of days a week. Uh, and do they haul their big, you know, external Mac screen back to the office? You know, no, that's they're mm -hmm. not going to be doing that. But then mm -hmm. we're duplicating technology um which is is a pretty large investment in mm -hmm. in terms of duplicating some of the some of the technology can be a pretty large investment true yeah so you're saying like if you have invested in a second screen at home and then you know maybe that wasn't part of the original setup in the office now people have become accustomed to that and so that leads to maybe some additional purchases um and in the meantime you have empty space because people are are home for half the week and uh and so all of this presents a certain way to the to the employer, right? Okay, my space is not fully utilized. I have to buy more equipment, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's an investment. It's a great investment, by the way. I Just bringing people back together and uh, being the opportunity to be back together at times is, is a great one. And, and let me also just preface this, that I have clients that will not be back together mm -hmm. in the same mm -hmm. way. And so what that would look like for them is a more emphasis on like quarterly meetings, everybody mm -hmm. coming together in a right. location for a quarterly meeting, or maybe it's every six months. Yep. And, and I have clients that are actively doing that mm -hmm. and just being able to build that connective tissue because working uh, just across the screen from uh, somebody, although I think we do a great job of building connection across the screen, uh, it's just really powerful to build some connective tissue and and uh, just team build and get to know people yeah. Yeah. in person yeah. at times. Yeah, that 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 really has come through as a best practice for now that if people are not physically together, um, it's important to 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 create opportunities for them to be together, even if they're not actually doing work in that moment just yeah. to to be together as humans and to get to know each other uh, that provides something that they can draw on when they are just uh, faces on a screen, you know, a few weeks later or a few months later and they're in a difficult they're working on something hard and they, you know, they have to to dig deep and they have to trust one another. And and, and so it it helps to have uh, memories of eating a meal with that person or going on a hike with that person or yeah. seeing a show with that person. Right. Yeah, exactly. All of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else do you think um, is noteworthy about some of the problems that your clients are are coming to you with in the last uh, you know year or so since COVID has kind of um, receded? I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, we're not going back to 2019, nope. uh, and and also obviously we are out of the emergency of COVID. So we're now in this new phase, the third, a third phase, uh, 2019 and earlier, that was, that was the phase, that's phase one, the COVID emergency phase two, now we're in a new phase. How would you describe this phase that we're in now? And what are the problems that you're um, hearing very recently from your clients that, that you think are, are pretty interesting? Yeah. Great question. So I will say, let me say, first of all, I think this phase is a great phase. This is, we have pushed through and broken down barriers that we never thought could happen with uh, the ability to like have a distributed workforce or have a remote and hybrid workforce. So 
I think it's really exciting. The most common thing that I am experiencing with clients is uh, the need to uh, um, work through the accommodations process with disabilities and it all over the board of uh, needs and requests for accommodation, which is which is great. I think employees need to speak up for what their needs are. And it's much more prevalent than it was in 2019. Mm-hmm. And even in 2020, 2021, when people could meet their own needs in their own home mm-hmm. and uh, their own rest and break periods or, you know, their own setup, their own chairs, uh, their own schedule, they could step out from work and take a, a therapy session uh, more easily than if mm-hmm. they are working on site or hit, you know, get to a medical appointment. Mm-hmm. Those types of things um, are much, much more common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes and I sense. would say managers are getting much better at having those uh, dialogues with their team members. It's called the interactive process. They're getting much better about just initially having those dialogues and working with their HR leaders to uh, support their employees. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm very happy to hear that because that's something we can all get better at. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being good listeners and understanding that the people who you work with or who that or who work for you are people that have complicated lives and they want to do their best work, but they also are balancing, right? Many things that contribute to that. Um, Okay, we have time for probably um, one more question and one more answer from you. Um, Are you reading any books that you'd like to recommend or what other uh, you know, sources of information and intelligence do you rely on to sort of keep your expertise sharp and uh, and um, have things to draw on when you're working with your clients? Like, could you have any recommendations uh, that you can share? I do. <laughs> I read a lot. Excellent. And so now I'm like, sorting through what do I want to recommend and <laughs> it doesn't so, have to be it doesn't have to be like the one and best thing just something something recent uh and useful and then just yeah. describe how it's useful okay I'm going to pick something that's just very mainstream but I'm going to tell you a story quickly about uh a way to use it a little bit differently so the book dare to lead by Brene Brown it's been out for a for a while it's yep. I, not quite a classic, but it is. Yep. It's yep. so doable, all of it. And in January, we had this idea with um, one of my clients to lead a book study uh, of Dare to Lead with their leaders, and we let their leaders opt in. So I believe there were 16 leaders that opted in to participate in a book study. We mailed them all books, and we met via Zoom over the course of, I believe it was four months, so once a month for four months for a 90-minute session. And Brene Brown's website actually sets it up to facilitate these book studies. She's got a a participant workbook. And uh, so it was easy from a facilitation standpoint. I facilitated it along with one of the VPs of my client. And it was really great. It was powerful. We got to apply the tools. And now there's a little bit of weaving in the Dare to Lead language into the culture of their organization. And so I can't not recommend that to yeah. to work groups. I just thought it was a really great experience. So and do you and do you see you see that book or the 
the message of that book as being connected to uh, the um, the evolution of the empathetic manager and the empathetic uh, sort of work culture, which is so important, especially with distributed teams? Or how do you think about the value as it relates to distributed teams? Exactly as you said, I believe that that book just taps into the empathetic manager so much more than kind of our our very old picture of a manager. And so working and understanding people for who they are and being empathetic to their situation and being willing to be vulnerable and unravel a situation versus just, uh, you know, pave over it and move Mm on. I think that that is that's those are the managers that are going to um, lead us into the future. I love that. That's a great place to end. Well, Amy, thank you very much for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Okay, have a great day. You too. Bye bye. I'm your host, Adam Riggs, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Remotely Possible, the podcast about distributed work and the people who make it possible. Remotely Possible is sponsored by Frameable, a software company with a mission of making virtual collaboration feel as easy as turning around and talking to each other. Learn more at frameable.com. To become a guest on an upcoming edition of Remotely Possible, head over to frameable.com podcast and introduce yourself. If you know someone who'd be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show and include the hashtag remotely possible. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it on your social networks and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Your likes, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and to our team. Want to know how Frameable Spaces helps Microsoft Teams and Outlook users collaborate more effectively? Visit our website, frameable.com, or follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.